Well, hello there. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. My name is Justin Smith. I'm one of the staff pastors at Smithville Mennonite Church, and we're going to be looking at John chapter 16, uh, verse 5 through 15 this morning. The title that I have for this message is uh, The Going Away Party. Again, we'll be in John chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Have you ever been to a going away party for someone? Maybe they were moving or going off to college, or maybe they graduated to heaven. Whatever the case, we're in kind, we're kind of left with a struggle. Usually when we have a going away party for someone, it's for something good. We want to celebrate what is happening in the person's life. But then there is the going away part. We're conflicted with what to do with that. Going away usually comes with some sadness. Unless it's maybe someone that... Uh, kind of annoys you, and then there's probably some happiness that comes along with that. Just kidding. I'm sure that you don't know anyone that annoys you. Anyhow, you can see, though, how a saddening circumstance uh, can be combined with a joyous occasion. A going-away party. It's something that I struggle with at times, and through uh, my family's adoption journey, uh, we've felt the tension of those opposing feelings before. There's so much joy in the journey that we've taken with adopting our two kids. Just like any parent has with the birth of their child, the joy, the happiness, the nervousness that floods our lives. And the joy continues to grow as our kids get older. But then there's also a profound sense of sadness that comes with adoption. Birth moms choose to give up someone so dear to them, which no doubt brings extreme sadness to their lives. But for us, it's also sad to see them to decide to come to this point in their life to make that choice. Because we think how we would feel if we were to give up a child of our own. It would be crushing. So the tension of opposing emotions has been felt in our adoption journey. It's confusing and hard to feel polar opposite emotions. But we see Jesus talking about this exact thing in our passage today. Do you struggle with the tension of feeling polar opposite emotions? Most of us have lost someone we loved. And if someone, if we know that person is a Christian, then we have felt that tension. We're so happy for that person because they have graduated from this life to life eternal with Jesus. Something that is beyond the joyous feeling we have ever felt. And all the emotions that we could feel on earth couldn't even compare to the emotions that we would feel in heaven. Yet, we feel sad because this person we love is now gone from our physical presence. There's sadness because adjustment to a new life without them has to happen. And it's hard and we wish that they could just stay. But we know that they are better off to be in the heaven with Jesus. We see a similar situation taking place in our passage today. Jesus is saying that he must leave his disciples now to go be with his father, leaving them permanently and going to heaven. But not only that, he is saying that it's for our benefit, for our good that he leaves. Which that takes a different turn than just a family member leaving and going to heaven. Now this passage, it does not speak of uh, being joyful that he is leaving. But if we look further in the next passage in verse 20, it does say that the disciples' grief turns to joy. So, is there something good from Jesus leaving? That seems very hard to imagine. Well, let's dive into our passage today and we'll see how that question is answered. 
So if you haven't already, turn with me to John chapter 16, and we'll read verses 5 through 15 together. Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Yet he, he will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from me from what is mine and make it known to you. A lot of our discussion today will reflect uh, from a commentary that I used, the Enduring Word Bible Commentary, and explains this passage so well and makes it very clear uh, to us. So I'd like to read um, this portion of Scripture, verses 5 through 7, and the next little bit of what I'll talk about focuses on these two verses in particular. This is what verses 5 through 7 says, Now I am going to him who sent me, yet none of you asked me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now Jesus has talked to his disciples many times before about him leaving this world. Two times in particular. One from Peter in John 13.36 and one from Thomas in John 14.5. And from what I read in this passage, in, in these passages, it seems like chapters 13 through 17 are all take place in one sitting. They were eating the Passover meal together, and it was the last chance that Jesus had with his disciples before he was going to be arrested. So he needed to make sure that they understood, or at least heard, what was coming, what the coming days would be like, and what the plan was. And for those of us that are planners, we so appreciate this passage because we'd like to know what's going to come next. It's a great passage to read versus chapters 13 through 17. The first statement that Jesus makes about asking where are you going seems to be redundant because these questions have already been answered, um, but it was actually intentional. It is meant to help the disciples turn away from their inward way of asking that question, what does it mean for us, to a focused way on Jesus. What would Jesus have to do and why is he having to do these things? Jesus knows that they're filled with grief because they're focused on what they're losing and not on what Jesus is gaining and ultimately what they would gain. He excuses their lack of focus on him to help them see why it is good for him to leave them soon. I know that I need that kind of grace in my life, uh, my life because I tend to look at myself a little bit too much. In times when I seem like I'm losing so much, um, I tend to lose sight of all that I am gaining. And that's where the disciples are at too. And think about if they actually knew all that Jesus would be going through in the coming days in light of Jesus saying 
It's to our benefit that he goes away. I mean, think about the arrest, his beating, the unfair trial that he has, people mocking him, his death, and where he's laid to rest in a cold cave. It's for our good that he goes through that? How in the world does that make sense? You know, it makes total sense with an understanding of the grander plan. And as my son, uh, son's uh, child's Bible says, God's rescue plan. Then a transition point takes place. Jesus says his famous words, I tell you the truth, it's an attention grabber. He said it so uh, to them so that they would see that what he's saying is very, very important. It's for our good that he goes away. And unless he goes away, the counselor will not come to us. And when he goes away, he will send the Holy Spirit to us, the counselor. What they couldn't understand was that the physical absence of Jesus would enable the spiritual presence of Jesus to always be with us forever. Wow. And the spiritual presence of Jesus will be in the form of a spirit. Many names are given to the Holy Spirit in Scripture, Counselor, Helper, Comforter, and many more. We see Jesus helps us in different parts of Scripture, and why, going, why his going away is for our good. One reason is that now Jesus can be with every believer all the time. When he was physically present on earth, he was limited to being with people who he was with. While that didn't diminish his power, it actually fulfills Matthew 18, 20, where it says, where two or three are gathered, there I will be with them. He could not have done that while he was in the flesh, only in spirit. What an amazing gift Jesus gave us by being able to be with each of us all of the time in every way, just as if he was physically present. A second reason has to do with God's intention for our relationship with him. Faith is a crucial part of our relationship with God. And if Jesus were still here with us physically today, we would have a hard time not living by sight. With Jesus living in believers through the Holy Spirit, we have to believe and have faith that he's truly with us. It allows us to be more dependent on God and less on ourselves. And a final reason we see the disciples really change through the physical leaving of Jesus. They went from confused, afraid, self-centered, and thick-headed to wise, surrendered, bold, and giving. Through the teaching of Jesus that he gave them, he physically left them to allow them to step up and continue his work in the world in a greater, expanded way. Letting them go with the tools that Jesus gave them was the best way for the kingdom of God to be built on earth. But Jesus had to leave and send his Holy Spirit to be with them for that to happen. So let's move on together and we'll read verses 8 through 11. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer and in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. The previous section of verses talked about what benefit we would have and what we would get when Jesus left us, and what benefit it would be, even though uh, we have a hard time wrapping our minds around that. 
This section of verses, though, talks about how the Holy Spirit works in our lives when he would be sent to us. The Holy Spirit, or counselor, as referred to in this passage, will convict the world of guilt. And when we read that, we tend to think it's all a bad thing. When really the phrase convict the world of guilt is one word in Greek, meaning to expose or convince the truth of. So the Holy Spirit wants to convince us of some truth in our lives. He wants to convince us of sin, the truth about man, righteousness, the truth about God, and judgment, the combination of those two truths. We must understand the importance of this role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is sent to us to give us truth. But we have a choice to accept or reject what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And by accepting or rejecting his words, that will determine our responsibility level for our actions. For instance, take a look at how someone might respond before the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives and how someone might respond after. Before, someone might say that I just messed up or no one is perfect if they did something wrong. Afterward, uh, they might respond this way by doing something wrong. I am disobeying God and resisting him. I need to get right with him. Do you see how the language changes from one not being convicted by the Holy Spirit and from one being convicted by the Holy Spirit? After the Holy Spirit convinces us or convicts us of truth, we have to take the responsibility and ownership of our actions. Like we did, uh, like we did, and now at this point, we have a conviction from a spiritual and moral perspective. So how does the Holy Spirit convict us or convince us of sin? Because people do not believe in Jesus. The Holy Spirit will point out uh, the unbelief in Jesus. This rejection of Jesus causes us to be separated from him. And the Holy Spirit will tell us the importance of trusting in, relying on, and clinging to Jesus. Of righteousness, because he is going to the Father. As the ascension of Jesus took place, it showed that he has perfectly followed the will of his Father, showing that he's purely righteous as he said he was. And now instead of a list of rules to follow, there's a person uh, and their example to follow who is purely righteous in every way and of judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Because there was a judgment of Satan himself, means that there will be a final judgment between God and his creation. The Holy Spirit was sent to us to warn us that this would take place. Normally, conviction follows judgment, but in our spiritual life, there's an in-between step, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which can satisfy the conviction of the judged person. In other words, salvation and receiving the Holy Spirit completely changes the outcome of our judgment that should have come upon us. Let's continue reading uh, our passage in verses 12 through 15. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only of what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from me, from what is mine, and make it known to you. The last section of verses will help us see 
the work of the Holy Spirit among the disciples. What is interesting is that Jesus says he has more to say to us. And this verse is what brings validity to the other teachers we find later in the New Testament, like Peter and Paul and others. When Jesus says the Holy Spirit will come to us, that means he will speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And those who have been given authority to teach, the Holy Spirit will instruct them what to say so that their teaching can be received as Jesus' words. Jesus taught the disciples so many things during his time on earth that giving the rest of what he needed to teach them while he was still here would be overwhelming to them. It was so wise of Jesus to use the Holy Spirit to instruct them further uh, so that the rest of what they needed to know could be given to them in manageable portions. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit says will only be what he hears, and he will guide us into all truth. When we hear from the Holy Spirit, it will not be something that's contrary to Scripture and will actually be a fulfillment of this section of verses. But because we can trust that it will be Jesus telling him to tell us, it will also tell us of what is to come. Because Scripture talks about things that will take place, we have to know that we will be spoken to about those things from Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that is what this section of verses is telling us will happen. The last couple of verses explain that the sole purpose of the Holy Spirit is to lift up the name of Jesus and to help us to know and understand what he's telling us. He is to reveal Jesus to us in whatever creative way he can that allows us to receive it. All throughout the New Testament, we see many creative ways he reveals Jesus to us. Whether it be through music, visions, dreams, word, or thought, we will be able to receive it if we are open to it. Now, we started talking in this message about celebrating at a going-away party and reconciling the conflicting emotions that brings. When Jesus left this earth to go be with his Father, it was for our good. We talked about how the Holy Spirit would not come to us if Jesus did not leave us. We said that the truth about us, we said that truth about us and about God would not be revealed unless the Holy Spirit convicted us or convinced us about it. We also talked about how everything that is spoken to us from the Holy Spirit is true and from Jesus. And he only speaks of what he hears from Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is so crucial as our growth as Christians. He is the connection we have to Jesus now. And while some parts of that makes it more difficult because we have to rely so much on faith and not on sight, it more so makes it better because all of the promises were given uh, by receiving the Holy Spirit. So, the going away party is not so much a going away as it is a coming within. When we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, we are receiving the words of Jesus. What an amazing sense of peace and comfort knowing that Jesus is now with us more intimately and consistently because of him going away and sending the Holy Spirit to us. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for your words in John chapter 16. 
God, I thank you for your plan about sending uh, the Holy Spirit to us and allowing Jesus to leave because you know that's best for us. While we don't fully understand and while it's difficult for us sometimes, we know that it's best. And we pray that you would help us with our unbelief. I pray that you would help us in our doubt and that you would fill us so full of your love and your goodness and uh, faith that we can know that you are with us more fully than you ever have been. God, go with us, strengthen us, guide us, and direct us. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.